Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast. I'm your host, Joe Nicholson, and joined today by my colleagues at the Sunderland Echo, James Copley. And we're also going to get some insight from the Bristol City end ahead of Sunderland's game against the Robins on Saturday. We've got Jordan Jones from our sister title, Bristol World, with us here. Jordan, uh, you've been at Nigel Pearson's press conference today. So um, how are things looking from the, uh, the Bristol City end ahead of uh, Saturday's match? Yeah, so it's given a bit of um, team news and that. So one of the players that was uh, in consideration, Zach Viner. So he started last week um, and he picked up a bit of an illness in the week and lost a bit of weight. Um, but he could could play on Saturday. It was an open training session uh, earlier in the week. About a thousand people attended there. Um, Antoine Semenyo was uh, obviously familiar to Sunderland fans. He was stepping up his, his recovery. Probably won't be in. Well, probably won't feature uh, on the weekend. He's still a few weeks away from that as well. Um, yeah, a lot to take away from the press conference. Uh, one of the big things that he was wanted uh, to introduce into the championship is actually uh, a video assistant referee, or he wanted to bring in um, how they do it in rugby, where they microphone up the referee. And that's, of course, because of what happened against uh, Hull City last week, where I think they were hard done by to lose out uh, on the opening day with a, perhaps a controversial penalty decision. Yeah, very hard done by, wasn't it? I mean, I saw the highlights. It was a pretty... Uh... Well, it was it was a very soft penalty, and then obviously the, the deflected goal for for the winner. I'm assuming there's, there's quite a bit of frustration from Pearson and, and kind of wanting to put that right this weekend against Sunderland. Yeah, most definitely. I think the game against Hull um, it was a bit of frustration just because uh, a few old themes from last season um, appeared. Is that they took the lead and then conceded, went behind, and they were one of the teams that um, always dropped points and winning positions, one of the worst. And if they had held on, they would have been in and around the playoff picture last season. And of course, they also conceded late as well. And they're one of the teams that last season conceded late. But despite how Saturday unfolded, Saturday unfolded last week. Um, and how they performed um, was pretty good. Um, there was a lot of positives to take away from that. And I think it was just a case of um, what went against them was that they didn't really have any luck in the penalty decision uh, and also the deflected goal. But penalty decision, like we say, is a bit controversial. Um, there's a few angles where it looks like there may be contact. Um, it's, I think it's just the delay of um, Tete going down um, a few seconds after that the foul has been committed. So perhaps there was contact, um, but obviously there's calls now for VAR to come in from Nigel Pearson. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan. Nice to, to hear a Welsh accent on, on the Raw podcast. I think the first Welsh you ever had on the on the Raw <laughs> podcast, which is good. What's Nigel Pearson like to deal with? Because obviously we've all seen the, um, the clips over the years, the ostrich thing that went viral and whatnot. He's very straight talking and when he talks, I, I want to listen to him because he's very engaging. How do you find him? Yeah, so he's, he's, he's exactly how you say, really, is that he's someone, we'll, we'll say it as it is, he's not going to give you a transfer exclusive or anything. He's going to keep his cards close to his chest, but he will say what he can do on on his opinions on things. And that's why he can offer opinions, perhaps on the referee and decisions. He can offer um, the situations at clubs. Sometimes he opens himself up and he has some great stuff um, to us, of course, is that he has some great lines. And at the moment, I think um, that's what Bristol City fans want, is that um, he's very different. So obviously we had Dean Holden last season at Bristol City, and then before that was Lee Johnson. And there's two different, completely different characters um, from working with Nigel Pearson. Is that he's a bit more of a straight talker and um, not someone that likes to use cliches. <laughs> Sounds a bit like Alex Neal, doesn't he? <laughs> does, yeah. The, the, tran- the transition from... Lee Johnson and Nigel Pearson, and then the transition from Lee Johnson to Alex Neal is quite stark at both clubs. 
Yeah, most most definitely. And um, obviously, it's different situations that the two clubs find themselves in, I suppose, is that um, Alex Neil delivered the success um, that uh, Sunderland fans wanted. And at Bristol City, um, Nigel Pearson's kind of like just one of those managers that wants to take Bristol City to the Premier League, but he could be one of those people that's like a transitional manager and readies the club for someone else to come in to deliver that Premier League dream. Just quickly on a, on a slight tangent, Jordan, before we get back to this weekend's game, but what's the perception of Lee Johnson um, from a Bristol City standpoint? Because I remember when Sunderland would have little dips in form and I remember Bristol City fans sort of on social media saying, this is what happens, this is what he does. And I sort of took that with a, a bit of a pinch of salt. I just thought, well, from the outside looking in, he did a reasonable job, but then the streaks started to become... Uh, a little bit too often for, for a lot of people's like, and so I, I saw, mm. saw Bristol City fans' points by the end of it. Yeah, so it's kind of, kind of like 50-50. Obviously, um, he's someone that uh, took Bristol City towards the playoffs, but not exactly in the playoffs as well. Obviously, he delivered that memorable cup run um, a few years back as well. So there's a lot of feelings that, wow, like Bristol City will get ready to go to the next level there. But, of course, him not being able to deliver on that, and I think him leaving, obviously, during the covid uh, season was a, was a difficult thing as I, I think that all the investment that Lee Johnson did have um, I think there was a bit more expectation for the club to be a bit more higher than they were and at least one playoff um, appearance but they didn't get there under him What's the expectation like now Jordan? Um, I think Bristol City's like 8th consecutive season in the Championship, 17th last season so what's kind of what are fans kind of hoping for this season? So obviously, um, it's one of those cliches in regards to it being transitional. So last season was 17th and um, some fans wanted more on that. They felt that their squad that was better than what they actually achieved. Um, internally, so the club, have Nigel Pearson was speaking about perhaps the playoffs, but it's easier said than done when you look at the teams that come down um, from the Premier League and also the teams that still have parachute payments and much higher budget um, as well. So I'd say internally, they're looking at maybe playoffs or just outside of it. Um, I'd say a good season for them would probably be um, finishing mid-table, a high mid-table, perhaps 11th or 12th, and then build on um, the season after as well. This is quite a big season because they're still continuing to move players out and reduce the wage bill. And it's very hard to remain competitive um, whilst you're moving your players out. But luckily this summer, they've managed to hold on to their better players but there's still a lot of good players that are out of contract on the end of the season and they're kind of playing for their futures at the moment is that um, if they don't perform they'll either go on a free transfer but I don't think that's what the club wants. You mentioned Antoine uh, Semenyo earlier Jordan obviously um, he's a bit of an injury doubt for the game. How's he progressed since that loan to Sunderland because I think he only played in about seven games for Sunderland but he's, he's cemented himself as a bit of a regular for Bristol City now. Yeah, he's, he'll be a massive miss um, on Saturday. He picked up his uh, injury whilst on international duty for Ghana. So it just shows how far he's come that um, he's injured because he's on international duty. And he, that was something he really felt strongly about. Um, obviously, his family's from Ghana. And he really wanted to play at international level. Um, and obviously, he's got one eye on playing in the World Cup for Ghana as well as a competitive squad. He, he's a quality player. Um, I'm not sure how he was exactly at Sunderland. Um 
at eight goals and 12 assists last season where his partner and Chris Martin up front um, is, is where his future lies. I do know that sometimes he was played on the wing at Newport, but maybe he may have uh, played that at Sunderland as well. But his future is as a striker. Um, a lot of interest in him reportedly. Uh, it was a bit rejected from him early this summer. Um, Bournemouth, the likes of Bournemouth and Celtic have had interest in him. Middlesbrough as well. Um, I think the only thing that Semenyo needs to improve on is perhaps in the final third is that sometimes his finishing can be either hit or miss. Um, if he can, obviously, strikers do have on and off days, but he's got the pace and the power. Um, and there was a game against Cardiff City in the seven-side derby where he absolutely bullied Aidan Flint, and that was one of his best performances. Um, so for him, I just just a case of working in the final third, and he could be one of those 15, 20, 25 million kind of players. Where does he fit into to Nigel Pierce, Pearson's system when he is fit and, and who sort of is his natural replacement? Um, so at the moment, um, Semenya would, would have been up front with Chris Martin partnering him. Um, I, it's kind of like a back three, three centre-backs and you've got your wing-backs, um, two centre-midfielders and then you've got a cam or a number 10. Um, and that's uh, sometimes hard to decide who plays there. But Semenya plays up front um, with Chris Martin. Who replaces him? Well, at the moment, on the opening day of the season, Andy Vyman, um, who was the 10 last year, went up front. And then they played Alex Scott, who's another player to keep an eye out for. Um, one player that could come in, but I don't see him starting, or, or at least he'll only come on as a substitute, is Naki Wells. So Naki Wells, obviously, really experienced at championship level. Um, but doesn't seem to get a run of starts at all. And I think um, there's been a lot of speculation about him leaving uh, to a few championship rivals. Um, but he's always been keen to fight for his place. But yeah, um, it looks like Andy Vyman uh, will be his replacement. And then that just means that a few players get bumped up um, into a bit more of an attacking role. I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm I'm sort of thinking Andy Vyman, obviously, <laughs> ex-Aston Villa, ex-Derby County, lots of championship predigary, 22 goals last season. That's the sort of squad depth that these established championship clubs have as opposed to Sunderland at the moment, Joe. Yeah, it is a um, very dangerous player um, with, with 22 goals last season. Um, and kind of I look at the Bristol City side, look, looks like there's a lot of young players in there, Jordan. Would you say that kind of up-and-coming players that maybe you'd see as like long-term assets? Yeah, most definitely. The one I've just spoken about is Alex Scott. And I would easily say that there's, from my prediction, that I think he'll be a fully fledged England and international in at least the next five years. Um, reports this week, I'm not sure, taken with a pinch of salt, that Man United apparently have uh, inquired for him. Leeds and Spurs um, had interested in him as well uh, earlier this year as well. He is a quality player, so he's only 18 years of age. He turned 19. Um, this summer, but he was part of that England under top 19 side that won the European Championships. And of all of the players in that under 19s team, he was one of the only players that wasn't contracted uh, to a Premier League club. So, yeah, he's he's an important player as well. Um, I will say, perhaps, obviously, we, we spoke about a bit of squad depth, but it is quite um, a thin squad at Bristol City. So, you've got your experienced players, and then they might. Uh, dive in and take a few development players, but those development players aren't like thrown in straight away. They're, they're blooded in and you might see them more against Coventry in the Carabao Cup next week rather than any of them uh, play against Sunderland because the, the team against Hull didn't really have many um, players that were younger from the under-21 setup. You mentioned about the system earlier about them playing with the back three and wing-backs. I think they played that predominantly at the end of last season and they did against Hull. Is that kind of how you see Nigel Pearson going? Because Alex Neil often tries to match up the opposition. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, he's. I think he did want to play um, a back four last season, yeah. and then last year it just it didn't really work. So he just had to work with what he's got, and I think he's still going to stick to the three man, three man central defensive. Uh, trio um it, it it does work um the issue last season is that you think you have three centre-backs that you're going to be assured in defense but they were one of the worst defenses last season uh, statistically they had such a great attack so um they're one of these teams that um easily score goals but keeping them out is uh, easier said than done um a lot of experience in that back four to be fair though um you um tim closer who's very much experience in Norwich City and you've also got one of the summer recruits, Cal Naismith from Luton Town um, who's another player that could be solid this season mm, What's the uh, interesting, Nick James, like the formation Neil obviously changed it against Coventry to go with the back three do you think he'll go with the same? I think he probably will go with the back three and wing backs again Yeah, I, th- I think he will given Sunderland played so well and, and just judged on what Jordan's saying there about what Nigel Pearson tends to do again it's another intriguing battle to managers who know what they're doing at this level. And we know Alex Neil likes to make little tweaks here and there. So I wouldn't put it past him to make a change in personnel. Possibly Roberts might come in, Joe, maybe, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't predict a, a change in shape. But as we know, Joe, Alex Neil likes, likes a curveball every now and again. So you, you just, you're never too sure with him, are you? Sorry, I missed the end of that that question. I think my. uh, No, I I just said that, um, you know, we're never too sure with Alex Neal, really. We can second guess it and third guess it, but sometimes he just throws the curveball. Yeah, I think you're right. I think think system wise, I think it'll be similar to against Coventry. Maybe a few changes, you say, with Roberts perhaps coming in, or maybe one or two changes um, here and there. Um, Just also wanted to ask Jordan about kind of what's the feeling like among Bristol City fans about playing Sunderland? Not had too many meetings recently they've played twice i think it was the 2017-18 season bristol city winning 2-1 at sunderland and then there was that game at ashton gate which finished 3-3 with bristol city with 3-0 up sunderland came back to draw 3-3 so so what's the kind of feeling like coming into this game against sunderland um so I think it's going to be a massive crowd. I'm not sure how many fans Sunderland uh, bring. I think it was just under 3,000, I think I may have seen from Sunderland. Um, from, but from Bristol City's perspective, this is a a massive game because um, it's flag day uh, for Bristol City, which means that a load of Bristol City fans bring a load of flags um, and they go to like a pub pre-match and that and they go into the grounds and it's, they've done mates rates tickets and things like that. So it's looking like it could be the biggest crowd of... Um, Nigel Pearson's tenure, so I think they're pushing 24,000 um, as well. Being a, a newly promoted team, even though Sunderland are a, a big club, um, I think Bristol City are expecting to get a, a win here. Um, it's not one of the ones I think that they'd settle for a draw is that um, when a newly promoted team comes up, you've got to be winning those kind of uh, games. And I think with it being their first home game of the season is that you want to right the wrongs of last week. Absolutely. What's the situation um, surrounding the sort of the transfer talk around Dan Bentley, the goalkeeper? Because I, I saw that Bournemouth might be interested, but now I'm seeing that possibly Bournemouth are in for a Barcelona goalkeeper, so Bentley might stay put. He's probably, well, I'd imagine he's definitely going to start against Sunderland, but do you think that in any way could be a bit unsettling? Um, he's the club captain, um, and he last season he had a spell out of the side, and we thought that maybe it was speculation that he might be going elsewhere, but no, they just wanted to um, bring in uh, 
second choice goalkeeper ago. Um, I don't think I'll unsettle him at all. He's club captain. He's way professional um, to block out any speculation. And of course, if Bournemouth are going in a different direction um, and it benefits Bristol City because they don't have to uh, worry about that. Um, Nigel Pearson did say in his pre-match presser that um, like he does have inquiries for players and specify who um, had inquiries for, but like he does relay that information onto the players and how he sees them as well. So can't imagine there will be um, major issues. Um, it's, it's perhaps not as big of a pressure, but the club are still trying to negotiate uh, through financial fair play. Um, and obviously, um, it may be a case that further on down the line, maybe this summer uh, or in January, they have to let go of one of their big name players. But so far, they've managed to hold on to the players that they want to keep hold of. Um, and I see Bentley staying at least until the end of the transfer window. It's an interesting fixture this actually, isn't it, Joe? Because both clubs will be thinking that they could win it. Obviously, you go into every game thinking you can win it. But Sunderland just up from the Championship, given the additions they've made, given Alex Neil, probably a couple of fans looking at Bristol City's league results in the past couple of seasons, although there's massive respect there because they've been a Championship club for an extended period of time now and a realisation of where Sunderland have been for the past four seasons. You sort of look at this game and think if Sunderland do want to stay in the division first and foremost and then possibly do something in future seasons, you need to be sort of targeting these fixtures. And Bristol City seem to be thinking exactly the same. They want to kick on again. So it's um, it's, a, it's a real interesting one, John. Yeah, I think obviously, well, Jordan mentioned, clearly Bristol City will, will want to go and win against a newly promoted side in Sunderland, their first home game and after the disappointment of last weekend. I think Sunderland will go there and they'll be difficult to beat. They'll be difficult to, to break down. As we've seen with Alex Neil now, it's one defeat in 19 since he came in competitive games. And you've seen that kind of very much compared to what they were under Lee Johnson. There's much more of an emphasis out of possession to be very difficult to break down and difficult to beat. So I think, you know, first and foremost, Sunderland want to go there, keep it tight at the back and not give Bristol City any kind of early chances. Um but just as well, Jordan, you mentioned about the transfer market. Is there much work left to do in the, the transfer market for Bristol City? You said it was a thin squad. Um, Neil saying that Sunderland he wants four or five more players before the end of this month. Um, so at the moment, uh, from what Nigel was saying today, um, is that they are looking perhaps at trading players. They've made bids for players being unsuccessful, um, but nothing's come off. They had a few inquiries for their own players. Um, so I'd say another centre-back and a the defensive midfielder uh, would be enough. Um, it all depends really if there's a big offer they just can't be turned down for like one of the likes of their players of like Semenya or Alex Scott. Um, one player like who has an uncertain future is Hando and Masengo, joined from Monaco a few years back. Um, he's a player that I think is, is good championship quality, um, but him not signing a new contract means that he doesn't um, isn't a first team starter, so he has to settle for a place. Um, on the bench. Um, they still, like I said, mentioned, is they're trying to negotiate through um, financial fair play. So all the transfers they've made uh, this summer have been free transfers. I think they had to pay compensation for uh, Kane Wilson, who came from Forest Green Rovers. So all the players have come from the lower leagues um, as well. They've recruited in the positions that they need to, but definitely would need perhaps a centre-back and a defensive midfielder. Um, Nigel Pearson doesn't usually go into the loan market at Bristol City, but did admit that he will uh, perhaps consider going into that now as well. Um, but it's easier said than done because when you're a championship club, um, more or less um, everyone's got the same targets and it's all about selling your club to them uh, and being the right project. Mm. Yeah, that's certainly what I think Sunderland have found with, uh, with a lot of their targets at a lot of championship clubs 
quite interested, particularly in the loan market. So uh, just before we go, we'll uh, get a quick score prediction from everyone. Um, I'm going to say 1-1. I think it'll be the same as the Coventry game um, on Sunday for Sunday. So, Jordan, what about you? I think I'm going to go 2-1 Bristol City. I think they're going to concede, but I think they've got enough to hold on and uh, beat a newly promoted team. What did, what did we say last week, Joe? Did any of the predictions come true? I can't even remember oh, what I, I said. I think I said 1-1. One, one. Did you? What did I say? 2-1. I think I might have said 2-1. You might have said 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with another goal. I'm going to go with a goalless draw. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jordan, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Um, you can uh, find more uh, Sunderland content over on the Sunderland Echo website. Um, we've also got Alex Neal's press conference on Friday morning. So uh, our reporter, Phil Smith, will be there. And we'll have loads of reaction from that, as well as build up to the game against Bristol City. Once again, you've been listening to the Raw podcast. Thanks a lot for listening.